Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here, and I'm super excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jessica Bryant, who is a friend and an amazing sleep consultant who helps parents to sleep. I love that you kind of take that approach, Jessica, rather than like, oh, your kids need to sleep, which is true, but parents (laughs) need to sleep too, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be here today. Yes, I'm so glad that you're here. And you recently started your own podcast, which we'll totally plug called the Good Mornings, right? The Good Mornings Podcast. Because parents need good mornings and so do kids, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I love your, you mentioned in your bio that you help tired moms and dads understand how to create a well-rested home so that the whole family feels connected and confident. And that matters so much. And what prompted me to reach out to you is I have had so many exhausted friends, family members, parents reach out to me lately about their kids not sleeping. And I didn't have the best of luck when it came to baby sleep, but what I did realize is when kids don't sleep when they're toddlers, it becomes kind of like a form of control. And (laughs) once I owned that and decided to deal with it, my life got so much better. And I've been sleeping through the night since 2018, so... You know, yes, yes, that's my plug. (laughs) So so true. (laughs) Yes, yes. But right here, we are right in the midst of the holidays, which (laughs) is not great for sleeping. And I thought that this was a really great time to offer an episode on sleep. And who better to share than Jessica and her expertise? And so we're going to talk today about three beliefs holding parents back from good sleep. So these are things that we as parents get totally wrong, assumptions we've made, long times, maybe long time, maybe wives tales about kids and sleeping and families and Mm -hmm. sleeping. And we are just going to totally debunk them and give you some (laughs) ideas and tools to start moving your family in the right direction. So but before we get into that, Jessica, tell us a little bit more about Sleep Happy and how you got into becoming a sleep expert. 
<laughs> yes. Well, um, my first child was born in 2003. And prior to that, I was working in the child development field and as a nanny and then even a kindergarten teacher. So I had been around a lot of young children and in homes. And when I had my own daughter, I was just so excited to test everything on my own child. <laughs> and um, sleep was really important to me and really structured when I was growing up. And so I had that fear that a lot of women have when they are having children. It's like, oh, am I ever going to sleep again? <laughs> and, right. Um, so, yeah, I just learned um, and practiced and tested things out that my neighbors who had older children, right? It's always <laughs> important to find that that mom or that village that has children a few years older than you to, to share the gifts. And I remember we were in the driveway one day and Madeline was doing pretty good, but um, our schedule was just off. It just, you know, it just didn't feel right. And um feeds at five months and all of that, just right at that time where things become more predictable. And she said, well, you know that babies sleep seven to seven. And <laughs> I was like, I mean, I knew toddlers did, but I'd never been in the homes every night, 24 seven with, you know, five month old baby babies until I had my own. Right. And I was like, well, I'm off to go <laughs> investigate this. And, um, I borrowed the book and I went through everything. And sure enough, three days later, she was sleeping seven to seven. And she was that temperament that she was on the easier side. It was just me and knowing that could happen and setting up those those boundaries and those rhythms at the end mm -hmm. of the day to get her down at seven instead of 9.30 or 10 when we were going to bed. Um, and so my friends, um, started to notice that I was your friends strange. were jealous is what you're trying to say your friends were like on what you have an evening to yourself like you and then there's that whole myth which this isn't one we're going to talk about today oh if you put them to bed earlier they'll sleep in later wrong no <laughs> right right and so and then I had twins and I was oh my gosh if I'm gonna survive this everyone is gonna sleep and so I got them on the schedule as soon as possible and so yes I used to say that I was the lazy mom because I figured out a way to like survive and so I was not crossing the sleep boundaries with three children under three and under I was going to put them to bed and so I just started helping friends and then friends of friends and then when my children were older, I was like, let's, let's see if this is really a thing. The twins were mm -hmm. in third grade. And, um, and so that just, it really, it, especially with parenting today, there's so many messages in our faces all the time that it's hard to, to know what to do. And I feel like nobody is being that voice, like take a step back and trust yourself. What mm. is your, what is, what is your body telling you is this right for your family mm -hmm. okay go and do it like don't keep doing things just because you think it's right for everybody else like stop and trust yourself um, and I think that's a big piece of what I'm my goal with the good mornings podcast is is 
I'm not telling you how to parent or what to do, but I'm offering some suggestions and perspectives to take into consideration to build your own parenting toolkit so that you feel confident parenting the way you dreamed to parent. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And I, you know, we, we talked about that a lot. I had one of our pastor's wives on a while back and that was one of the things that she shared and she's got five children older than, than my, her boys are older than mine. Some of our kids are the same age as mine. And, um, that was just it. It's like, we're taught now to always trust all these experts that the experts know everything better than we do. And it's like, no, God gave you those children. And, He gave Mm -hmm. us some really special insight and significant um, ability to know them best and to parent them. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I love that. So (laughs) let's jump into our three myths, if you will, about (laughs) what is holding us back in our families from good sleep. And the first one is when my child is older he will decide to sleep better. Tell us about why that is a totally false and what you would say instead. <laughs> well, going back to exactly what you said, Emily, is you, you str- it sounded like you struggled a little bit with toddler sleep and baby sleep, and you got to a point where you were kind of like, okay, I know what's not working. <laughs> right. So let's think this through. And, and what's working in our home and what we want sleep to look like. And let's be intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you just, as we all learn when we enter, you know, parenthood, it's, um, we set the rhythms, you know, especially for feeding and sleeping, you know, so we set those patterns that our children learn from. So for example, I get lots of, of phone calls from parents who are like, well, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to lay with my child for an hour and a half every night because I have two other children that I need to get to, but I'm just waiting until he decides he wants to sleep on his own. Oh, you know? oh. <laughs> that and, hurts my heart. <laughs> um, you know, so there's different things or I will have families say, well, I just, I, I talk to him every day about his sleep jobs and, and he knows he's, he's going to go in his room and he's going to go confidently and comfortably and stay in his room until he falls asleep. And, and then, but then he doesn't. And so Mm -hmm. the question is, so, but what are you doing? What is your part of the pattern or the response or the rhythm that's teaching him otherwise that does not match your words um, is one, (laughs) is one situation. Um, And then I think it just, it keeps us frozen. You know, we don't even know why we have that thought a lot of times, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're just, it's just a phase we're supposed to wait, you know? Um, And sometimes there are phases, but the whole, you know, my child's just going to sleep when he's ready thing. Why do, why do we sacrifice our health and sleep thinking that that's the norm or that's okay. And it keeps Mm -hmm. us in that, that frozen spot. Well, that's just a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I was just mad, honestly. And I, I, with our first, our first child, um, I, we started, I would get up to feed him once a night. And then when he was nine months old, we just let him cry it out. It worked after two or three days. And then, uh, which I mean, it was more, you know, 
plan than that, but that's the simplified version. And then with our older child, or I'm sorry, my younger bio son, um, he, well, two things happened. First of all, we found out he had a gluten sensitivity. So probably Mm. his stomach was hurting, but he he screamed so loud that nobody was going to sleep. There was no crying it out and everyone's going to sleep. And he would scream for hours. So it just became easier to go in and feed him or whatever. Um, and so that's what I did until I, yes, had enough because I was like, you're two. And now, like, you're used to this, right? This has become an unhealthy pattern for everybody. And I'm going to lose my mind. And so you're going to learn to sleep. And I kind of was like me changing my posture toward it more than anything to say, mm-hmm this matters so much that we're going to figure it out. And like you said, I'm not going to just cave anymore, which I'm a very strong willed person. And when you're that exhausted, yes, you literally do not care, right? You mm-hmm. don't care. It's like, mm-hmm. I will do anything to get this child to sleep, but it does take mm-hmm. some recognition with anything with parenting to True. figure out, okay, am I, am I, like you said earlier, am I the one setting our rhythms and patterns and being the parent or is the child taking over my home? And Mm -hmm. those are important questions to ask ourselves about lots of things, but sleep Mm -hmm. for sure is one of them. Yes. Is it more comfortable for me or is it better for my child? You Mm -hmm. know, and there's going to be different answers at different times, but definitely when you have a child with um, a, a gluten sensitivity or any other tummy situations um that kind of changes changes sleep sometimes especially learning to sleep especially at different ages so mm-hmm. you know um knowing the uniqueness needs of your child because you have multi you know you've, everyone has their own um personalities one thing for your oldest is going to be this way and for your youngest who's more sensitive their body is more out of maybe rhythm because they're uncomfortable or things like that. He may need more sensory support to calm and, you know, settle his system mm-hmm. like that. But, sure. um, but definitely, I think the biggest piece that's kind of missing is, is that so many parents today are having their first child and that's the first time they've, they've held a baby. So right. the norms of like what a newborn sounds like, you know, or, you know, what, you know, how baby, how noisy babies are at night, you know, it's all brand new and it's overloaded of a parent's sensory system. So you kind of start with every sound is a crisis because you just mm-hmm. don't know you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're there to learn, but, but yes, it's just, it's, reflecting and seeing your role as your child's looking to you to condition them for how you want sleep to look like in your family, whether you want your co-sleeping to look this way, whether you want to co-sleep for the first year, and then you want to transition to independent sleeping, you know, or you want to start off in the beginning, building those routines to feel confident falling asleep, um, you know, in Mm -hmm. your own sleep space and putting yourself back to sleep all night. Um, And I think, you know, and, and, and I think it's okay. I think the pendulum swings so much and I, you know, I live kind of in this more crunchy world when it comes to parenting, which, Mm -hmm. but like, 
with the way that my husband's work schedule works and his necessity for sleep and how he already struggles to sleep, Mm -hmm. we were not going to have kids in our room. And so Mm -hmm. that was just kind of decided early on. And, and Mm -hmm. it was like, we, this can't all work together just because like you Mm -hmm. said earlier, I'm following kind of what goes along with most of the things that I do, you know, every little decision and every little pocket of parenting is its own space. And obviously it all works together too, but you don't like love your child less because they slept in their crib when they're a week old or whatever, you know? So, um, and, and that goes, and that goes both ways. You know, you also Mm -hmm. aren't smothering your child because you decided to have them sleep in a bassinet for a year. That's not, but we Mm -hmm. do have to understand with all of it, like when do these things need to transition because Mm -hmm. they're becoming too, they're holding too, too large of a place in our family. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Those questions are so Mm -hmm. important to ask. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yes. And I, uh, I could never have slept with my child in the same room. Like I tried it. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, and then of course, when two babies came, you know, that was, that was just not an option. I mean, we split them up and had one in our room at a time in the beginning while we were getting help and everything, but there Mm -hmm. was, there was no way we could have, you know, two babies at one time. And, and I, I would, and, and live to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody has different choices and definitely I work with um, building confidence and in independent sleep, but you're right. You know, it's as a family, you have to decide when it's, when something's not working and there's no guilt for that. If it worked great, if you were happy with it, great. But when it's not working, that's the challenge to follow that frustration and figure out how you can realign your days and your rhythms to set your child up for success. Um, so they're rested and healthy and you can be also rested <laughs> and healthy, right. especially, especially this season when I'm reading all of the things of, you know, it's a very sickness prone season that the, the um, so many kids and families are dealing with sickness this yes this year everywhere. we've got yes. to have sleep <laughs> yes in fact yes indeed um and i think i think uh you know with your approach that i really love i think one thing to remember is these these things that like like sleep and independent sleep and confident sleep and wow i can do this that are instilled hopefully earlier those things bleed into all the other things that we're mm. teaching our kids, right? This all builds yes. on the next thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that we live in this age of lawnmower helicopter parenting, mm-hmm. but we will, we hopefully will someday like run ourselves out of a job and launch our children someday. And <laughs> all of these steps matter along the way to create kids that are confident and independent and all of the ways that we want them yeah. to be. And so I think sleep is one of those early, very important mm-hmm. pieces of so. that. You know, I sleep in my own room. I sleep in my own bed. I do, you know, I do look at what mm-hmm. I can do, right? I can do this by myself. That's one mm-hmm. of those early things that's so Im- important. So mm-hmm. um, I love, I love that kind of approach because it, I think it really is a step toward, um, yeah, helping kids feel confident and independent. So, all right. And let's they learn to trust ahead. themselves. No. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So let's move on to myth number two. I love this one because <laughs> I think it goes into what we we're just talking about. Culture is what, you know. Yeah. Oh, all right. Here we go. Good parents <laughs> are being sleep deprived or are always sleep deprived or that's like the right thing to be. Yes. Yes. I, I just, and, and that, that's another belief that keeps you frozen. Well, I mean, I'm just supposed to be sleep deprived. I'm just never supposed to sleep again. And I, I'm like, do we really know what we're saying when you say that? I mean, mm-hmm. that means you're sacrificing your whole being, you know, and your brain health and, and, and then you're telling other parents that they're a bad parent because they aren't sleep deprived. You know, right. it's just, it's just, um, just that thought that that's just part of the package. I think there's a difference between parenting is tiring. Like it's emotionally, it's physically involved. Like that's separate from not sleeping. So mm-hmm. yes, chasing a toddler, managing a toddler, feeding a toddler, learning about the big feelings and, and getting through the day. Of course, just the normal stuff in parenting is tiring. But right. are you laying that on that you had seven hours of sleep last night or you had two consecutive hours of sleep last night? That right. That's, that's the question there. But just yes. th- that in our society, you know, busyness is what we're supposed to be doing. Sleeping is lazy and, you know, that, and there's no value placed in that. It's how busy are you? I was actually at the neurologist with my oldest child and he was telling me that he was having so many problems with his with his patients you know that suffer from epilepsy migraines and he listed off all of these neurological challenges that he had hired a behavior specialist because he was having the parents come into appointments alone to have the behavior specialist help them redo their schedule because they were like, oh, well, he can't sleep because he's got select soccer until um, 10 o'clock and then he's got to do homework. And (laughs) the doctor was like, no, we have health concerns. We're going to have to do this. And I'm like, if we can take care of that when they are, you know, and build, advocate for sleep when they're babies and toddlers and teach them the value of rest, how does that transform their childhood and their life into adulthood? Well, and I think, yeah, that, and that busyness of, for for our families, I mean, it, it is hard to say no to lots of different things. And I used to be one of those people that wanted to go to every event and do all the things and that sort of thing. And, and now, I mean, we realize so much the importance of having downtime together Mm -hmm. as a family that, you know, is another form of rest and absolutely Mm -hmm. keeping them on a, you know, sim. I mean, my kids are older now, but Mm -hmm. when they're not older, older, our oldest is about to be 10 down to four. The four-year-old generally goes to bed a little earlier, but they, you know, they understand like when it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think that, that, matters a lot because there's so many young children even that are not are not getting that rest that they need and I I do think with what you said as far as the whole like you know it's glorified not to sleep like sleeping is you know I'll sleep when I'm dead whatever that whole thing Mm -hmm. 
crazy. Um, I do think that there's, because we're understanding the medical importance of sleep and how bad sleep deprivation is and, you know, the fitness apps, they've kind of all moved into having some sleep variables to them as well. I do feel like there's been a small shift and I'm in the right direction and I'm hoping that that will grow and we can overcome this never sleeping, you know, energy drink obsessed culture. So we'll see. We'll see. Yes, the verdict yes. is out on that one, right? Um, right? But yeah, like if your kid sleeps 12 hours, like you said, and you get to go to bed at nine o'clock, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to feel bad about that, right? Mm-mm. Don't do, no. don't feel bad. <laughs> no. Yes. No. So <laughs> let's talk about our number three, which is that crying always signals that the baby is distressed. And I love this one because I think I did not know it when I was a new mom. It's hard, especially it's the first time you're, I mean, when, when we cry as adults, there's usually something wrong, you know, we're either in pain or we're sad or we're Mm -hmm. hurt or we're, you know, massively frustrated. So you know, if that's kind of our experience and we haven't been around babies and no one's having those conversations with you of, you know, this is what a baby sounds like and this is the baby's communication. They can't talk. So, you know, every, I think the reason I throw this, this belief out there is I have had so many clients that come to me around eight to 10 months and they are exhausted. They're feeding, you know, sometimes up to 10 times a night, you know, the baby's waking every sleep cycle, every 45 minutes. And so they're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, you know, all night long, lots of times it's breastfeeding. And I will say, okay, you know, we're building a plan together to work on transforming sleep. And one of the first questions is what is your baby's hunger cue? And what is your baby's sleepy cue? Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many parents can't answer that question at eight Interesting. Months. Interesting. And, and, you know, there's lots of research on this, but it's that we haven't, we haven't equipped those parents at the beginning of let's analyze your child's communication and figure out what means pain, what means hunger, what means overstimulation, like what means gassy tummy, you know, let's talk more like about sensitivities, like, like your son and my son had some kind of, you know, milk intolerance too. And I happen to have two babies at the same time. And I've got one cooing and one who was like super tight fisted, rolled up in a ball, just crying every awake period. Like, so you mm-hmm. know, something's wrong, but right. we, you know, and so when we answer a cry the same exact way, we respond the same exact way but the baby's given a different cry and telling different needs um but we get the parent gives the same response the child doesn't communicate as much sometimes you know so it does get murky and it is hard to decipher but just crying has got I don't know if you agree Emily but crying has gotten a bad name (laughs) I feel like since you know my child was um was you know born I think that, I mean, I'm certainly, this is not judgment by any means, but I think this whole move toward gentle parenting um, Mm -hmm. 
in every aspect of everything. And also this mm-hmm. whole idea that we never want our kids to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's gone all the way down to being a newborn, but in fact, understanding mm-hmm. what that newborn needs and helping them learn to comfort themselves mm-hmm. is actually what helps them create, become a more resilient person in the long run mm-hmm. is, is kind of my mm-hmm. thought on all of it. There's no science behind that. That's just, a, you know, kind of my perception of what I see. And, it, you know, it's so funny. We, we talk in our family, well, my husband and I, how, what are all of the different ways? And this is not like, oh, like this is, this, this is going to sound really bad, but how, what are the ways that we can make our children feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Not, not meaning like I'm going to, you know, humiliate you or something like that, but instead, like, how can we go serve as a family where they're going to feel a little out of their comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Um, what adult can I have them go talk to when they would rather, you know, kind of not be the one to go do that? Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, what, what, um, what, new chore can they take over at our house? It's going to be a little hard for them. They might not even, mm-hmm. they might need, they might even need a little bit of help, but that I, I know they can do it or they can quickly learn it and th- those kinds of things. And so um, anyway, I think it bleeds it all the way down to newborns. Oh, for sure. Because it starts with you're building that conversation and you're building that trust, you know, and yes, you're going to make mistakes. That's part of learn. I had one parent who was like, but I don't want to make a mistake. What does this sound mean? And I'm like, we have to test it out. We don't know. But developing a give and take a relationship of communication, you know, I mean, that's trust, you know, and, um, and as we move forward, so many of the coping skills that are developed in the middle of the night for children um, just blow my mind. So, and and like you mentioned earlier, just how confident they feel. I mean, I have families who tell me, oh yeah, we did your sleep happy sleep jobs and my three-year-old is telling the checker at Kroger about how he did his sleep jobs. You know, so children, you know, like you're, you're testing them and making them uncomfortable. You're building up those coping skills and that resiliency because there can come a day when something unexpected happens. You know, um, I've had several families that, you know, where they were sleeping this way and then one parent um, ended up in the hospital with a life threatening illness and, Nobody else could watch the children. And so the partner was not able to be, I mean, it was a whole mess. So it's just, Mm. it's kind of really thinking about you and your husband are thinking about the big picture. How do we want our children to operate in the world? And what are the baby steps that we can do along the way to framework and to help them? And and I'm kind of in the stage with two 15-year-olds and a 19-year-old. I'm in the scaffolding. They still need it, you know, and that kind right. of is shocking to me. I love that. You're in the scaffolding. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know... Um, they they're able to you know work 12-hour shifts at the hospital and clean up bedpans and you know Mm. deal with all kinds of you know my oldest is in that um working towards a nursing degree but they that my youngest is um you know raising a lamb and just all of the she's giving shots and yeah 
you know, like she's shearing a lamb. Somebody handed my 15-year-old daughter sharp scissors, you know. I wasn't there, you know. Um, the, yeah. There was five other mothers that wouldn't let their children, you know, do it by themselves. They went in and did it for them. And I'm like, the teacher is completely confident. Like, there's right. I don't need to be there. I don't know what I'm doing. I never raised a sheep. I mean, right. um, so, you know, it's definitely those those little things with support that you yeah. are um tolerable stress you know is that the correct term but I think that's good you've got, you've got support and you've that I think that just transforms our children and helps them reach their full potential and I I don't know I get really excited about it yeah <laughs> because, no me too and it, it's crazy because I think the way we're talking about sleep today is not something that is often thought about that it's it's a piece of the parenting puzzle in a lot of ways that helps create these confident, independent kids. And, and, you know, what you just mentioned to me made me think about this. Speaking of um, our pastor's wife, she did another episode with me that was, um, we talked about the, how safety has been elevated so Mm. high. It's the most important thing about everything in our culture. And I mean, the COVID, the COVID era highlighted that mm-hmm. in huge ways. And Here. we just had a discussion, like, is that actually what should be our most important priority in parenting? Mm-hmm. So for those that haven't heard that, that you're sitting there here, you're spilt where your wheels are spinning. That might be a good episode to revisit as well. <laughs> just yes, a thought. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think that that is a really good point to bring up, especially when we're talking about the crying piece or, you know, what it means to be a good parent is just sleep deprived. Yes, safety. I am sleep deprived because I am spending all night making sure that my child is safe, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and in some of these messages, I feel like it's definitely taken for for different personalities of parents, but so much of it strikes the fear of them that that becomes your focus. Just what you said versus, okay, let me step back and I'm the only one in my household and let's analyze this. You know, how am I going to keep my children safe at home, but be confident. I think the fear causes that, that, you know, messages about safety elicits fear. And then that degrades the self-confidence in that parent to where Mm -hmm. nothing that they think is probably right. So they should do what, you know, this person, this person, this person on the internet, this person at the park say to do. And my mother-in-law, I shouldn't even consider the way I want to parent or the way I think bedtime should go or how, how I want the future to look, those kind of things. Um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a whole nother conversation for sure. I agree with you. <laughs> right. That's so good too. Oh, that's so great. Um, well, Jessica, I, I'm so grateful for your time today. You have such broad expertise and I love that you've honed in on this sleep piece and help so many families be able to, not just help their children to sleep better, but do this broad spectrum of who you are as a parent and, and the rhythms and, and, and routines that you want in your family. And again, that whole idea of manipulation control, there's so many things that sleep, <laughs> sleep touches, right? And so I do encourage everybody to go and listen to Jessica's podcast, the Good Mornings podcast. 
I found it on Spotify. I know it's on Apple or wherever you're listening. Her Instagram is at sleephappy and you can find her website, sleephappyconsulting.com. So if you are like, I need more of Jessica in my life and I need people to teach me how to do these things. Um, you probably do. I did. I needed, I needed help. So, <laughs> um, I, I, we love our audience and thank you so much, Jessica, for being here today. If you guys have any follow-up questions, if you're listening on Spotify, you can actually ask them right there in the app, which is kind of cool. So thank you for joining us. Have a great holiday season, Jessica, and I'll look forward to catching up with you soon. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was great today. It was fun. Take it. care. <laughs> Bye-bye.